I'm your host, Micah Versman, and you are listening to The Producer Podcast. Today we are joined by Nathaniel Schecksneider as we do a deep dive on the recently released superhero short film, Night Guard. So let's jump in and get started. Welcome to the show, Nathaniel. Thanks for having me, Micah. I appreciate it. Oh, not a problem. Really enjoyed Night Guard. That that was uh, definitely a highlight when I saw it at the festival the other year. Thank you. So maybe to start, why don't you just uh, explain kind of how you initially got started in filmmaking? Yes, so... Um... Uh, I kind of got into it by accident. Um, I uh, am a uh, an amateur novelist, and so um, writing stories is has always been kind of uh, something I've been uh, passionate about. I've even actually uh, uh, drawn some comic books um, here and there. That's kind of where my love for for comics and superheroes initially came from. Okay. And so something I always something I love to do. Um, but my sister Ivy, um, who is a co-producer on the project or you know an associate producer um she uh loved doing or loves doing filmmaking especially with her business which is uh kind of uh, you know on the commercial equine side of things mm-hmm. um and we started just making some little videos uh for our church with her being on the technical side and me being on the creative side um, and that's how we kind of fell into it uh, and just kind of gradually uh, gradually uh, honed our skills over time and, uh, you know, worked on larger and larger projects. Nice. So then after you, you know, worked on some of the smaller projects, how did this idea for Night Guard come about? Yes. So... I think for me, it was uh, a desire to make um, a superhero story, um, but tell it in a, uh, a way that I don't think it's been told before in terms of having a very uh, faith-based message Okay. Um, to kind of complement a lot of what you see with what Marvel and DC are trying to do. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to uh, do a superhero or a comic book style film. And some of the initial ideas were really trash ideas. Um, they were kind of the first thing you would think about with a superhero story. Um, and, uh, you know, I've always found that my first ideas are usually the least original ideas mm-hmm. because they're just the most, uh, they've been saturated the most by everything you've seen. And everything you've seen is typically everything everyone else has seen. So, you know, kind of going beyond that surface level to, you know, is there a more original idea out there that we could kind of explore? Um, and so that's kind of how the idea started for the film is, one, we wanted to make a superhero film. And two, we wanted to do something in the in kind of the faith-based um, arena, which was not something we were really seeing mm-hmm. in the Christian movie genre. So, um that's kind of how we started um, with those two those two things. 
Okay. And how did you, because you talked about how some of your first ideas were very much like influenced and saturated by what what you'd seen. So how did you kind of work away from those two more of the original ideas? Uh, yes. So good question. Uh, I think, um, uh, honestly, it's a little bit hard to explain since it's been a while since um, I've I wrote this story, you know, it's been a number of years mm-hmm. since I first started writing and some of how the, the key plot points came to my mind, um, are just kind of lost on me, kind of that inspiration type thing. Uh, and some of it is just working it out beat by beat, um, and doing the work to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Um, which is where the, the real labor in, in writing comes along, um, and of course, anything, since I was going to be the producer on the project, anything that I wrote would have to be feasibly um, f- produced on a very small budget. Mm. So those are definitely some things that kind of influenced how the story um, goes. So we couldn't have any major blue sky beams or, <laughs> or any, uh, you know, giant CGI fights. So you know, how can we tell a superhero story with the means that we have um, while also conveying, conveying the message that we want, uh, you know, within our means and in a, a responsible way. Okay. Yeah. No. And I, th- I think you did a very good job of, of telling the story within your means. Cause I've been in those positions too, where you have the grand idea and just isn't possible with what you have available. I think one approach that we took um, from it's, it's a story, but it's also a production side of it where um, some of my other films that I've worked on have been very dialogue heavy because, you know, Mm -hmm. who doesn't like dialogue? Uh, It's, it's a writer's dream to do lots and lots of dialogue. But for me um, it was a little bit harder on this project because I, we made a conscious choice to say, how can we tell this film as visually as possible? Um, so there's the the one scene where uh, these two characters are um, in a house having a dialogue, and that's where the majority of the dialogue comes from in the movie. And everything else, we try to come through it as you know, kind of the the constraining, controlling idea of all right, let's let's just you know do things as visually as possible. So the audience can just be immersed with what they see rather than, you know, what they're being told. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you did a good job. It, it never, when I watched it, that never like, I never noticed that before. So then since you were kind of the main producer on the project, was that a role you were wanting to fill or was it that kind of more just, we needed a producer. Okay. I'll, I'll do that position. Yes, it's it's very much that the latter, um, where you know, I mean, as you know, Micah, right? Movies don't get made by on their own, and yeah. the the producer is maybe the most talentless job in a way because you don't have that that vision. You don't have the you don't need to have the vision like the director does, mm-hmm. and you don't need to have the skill with the camera like your DP does. And you don't need to be uh, an experienced actor and uh, like like an actor does. Um, but, you know, being a producer means 
you know, that's the thing that's going to tie your whole project together. And yeah. it really is about putting the work, putting in the work. And uh, that's not something I love doing. But um, I mean, that's why we're talking today, because it's it's really one of the most vital things in the film production is getting everybody together and making sure, you know, you're setting your whole team up and managing those little details that are going to mean success or failure for your project. Definitely. So then, so oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's, you know, for me, it was something I'm always reluctant to do because mm -hmm. I know how much work is going to go into it. But I think um, it is definitely possibly the most rewarding part of it because you're involved in so many different um, departments and you're involved with pretty much everybody uh, in the film process. Yes. And you can, it gives you, it, it gives you the unique opportunity to serve people and to problem solve um, and to just work with people in ways that, you know, if you were working within a different department, you may never see, you know, the, the behind the scenes effort of what a different department's dealing with or their victories or their successes. Um, so with, when you're producing, you're not isolated at all from the action and you just get to experience everything, the the challenges, but also, like I said, the the successes, uh, which is you know incredibly rewarding personally, uh, when everything comes together. Yeah, no, I would, I definitely agree with that. When I've been producing, I've really enjoyed how I can go check in and talk to any department and kind of see what's going on. Whereas you know, usually it's like, nope, kind of don't cross departments. You know, you got to stay focused you know, on camera or lighting, whatever you might be doing. So were there any aspects of the pre-production process that you found were either different or unique to doing a superhero film as opposed to when you're, you know, doing something for your church or like a normal everyday kind of drama piece? Yes, yeah, so there's a, definitely a bunch of different aspects that uh, I had never run into. And in in producing this movie, it was so much more ambitious than anything we had done before. So every mistake that is possible to make, I think I probably made it during the development of the movie. Um, and, and part of that is, you know, I, I was really working alongside my director, um, Jonik Petri, and he was doing actually a lot of the the associate producing as well. Okay. Um, you know, he really, he really wanted to put in the work to make sure that, um, you know, the movie looked good. And so uh, having to uh, normally with the other projects that I produced, you know, it's my word is law. And uh, if I'm also directing the project, then, you know, there's just a, a very clear communication between the producer and the director, if they're the same person, but if they're different people, then you, you really have to, um, just increase the level of communication mm -hmm. and you can't act like the other person knows what you're thinking. So uh, there's definitely a, a communication aspect when you take on a larger project where you need to communicate better or, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, and that's something that I learned a lot where I, I, I communicated so much better, not at the start, but at the end of it, you learn just ways to, you know, uh, communicate with people who, are not on the same page as you 
who may think you're on the same page as you. And they said that that's what I found. I, I thought everybody knew what I wanted, but clearly I was not communicating as well as I could. So that was one thing that we learned pretty quickly as we were moving through this project that um, it was going to take a lot of logistics uh, and uh, to to make this happen. So with the superhero genre, uh, one of the big things was the superhero suit. You know, okay. just the the dis- you know how do you how do you go about designing it? I had no idea, um, and our our Jonic, the director, certainly had some good ideas, and we had uh, Claire. She worked on the costume. She had some interesting ideas, but having ideas, and even good ideas, is not the same as actually creating a, a suit from scratch, which is what we did. So, you know, it's okay. So, how do we get something? And so, you're, you know, you're looking at eBay, you're looking at thrift stores, you're you're trying to 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 get something that is going to be basically the face of your movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that had its own challenges. And also since there was a bit of stunt work and there's different people who's do, who are doing the stunt work, you know, it's, you're making, you know, replicas of the outfits and making sure that you have, you know, different sizes of the outfits and, you know, what happens when you have one size of, of a pair of pants, but you can't get the, that same pair of pants in a different size or the jacket. And so those are just things that when you're trying to, you know, when you're on a budget and you're trying to cut costs everywhere you can and you, you don't want to buy 10 of something, you know, how can you creatively and on a budget, you know, make your, your superhero outfit, which everyone's going to see front and center and make that look compelling. So there were just a lot of things, even down to getting your police uniforms mm-hmm. and making them look authentic um and getting the gear assembled for that um with some of the smaller films i've made it's sort of been like okay here's your here's your wardrobe it's jeans and a and a button down and you're all set um but since um this isn't really a a parody superhero film it's supposed to be set in the quote-unquote real world Mm -hmm. you know it's all of these things have to be so much more uh, lifelike and real-like so that when you're watching the movie, you're not being taken out of the experience by going, well, it looks like they got that that cop uniform from uh, Party City or something like that. Right. Um, um, so that was, so those are just some, some elements where, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll find in, in many different action productions, but, you know, for us was definitely new. Um, because we had never even tried anything to this scope. So um, one of the advantages is the movie doesn't have a lot of special effects. Okay. Um, but, um, I, you know, that's something you also have to think about is, you know, anytime you have a, v- a VFX shot um, that's not trying to cover for something, um, you know, how we, you, all of a sudden you have to consider that as well when you're when you're shooting. And in pre-production is like, like how, how are we going to do these stunts? How are we going to do this, you know, VFX shots in post? How do we plan that out? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, definitely a lot different than, um, you know, a normal comedy bit where you can expect everybody to show up in the, you know, their clothes and those those details don't matter as much. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned uh, how Jonic uh, directed it. So was that, since you wrote the film and then you were producing it, was that, a challenge at all to find a director that you felt was going to do justice to the story you had written? Yes. So 
uh, Jonik was one of the very first people who I approached about the project because I knew I wanted to make a movie with him um, after seeing some of his previous work. And I really thought that I, I really could see that he's got some skills and, and he's going he's going someplace. That, that's kind of what I thought. And I'm like, this is the guy who I want, you know, directing my film. And so I was um, working with him on the script and long into pre-production. Um, and so he and I were not always on the same page in terms of the story and the production, but um, just initially talking to him and kind of working with him on some other things prior to this project, um, I knew that, that he was the right guy for this film. Okay. So being a superhero film, uh, obviously there's lots of stunts involved. So what was kind of that process like in pre-production of finding a stunt coordinator and working with them to bring those aspects of the film to life? Yes. So um, another key player is my friend um, Gabe Arbello, who I've worked with on uh, another projects or on another project, excuse me. And uh, he is very passionate about martial arts and stunt work in movies, um, but he had never done anything before in film. And he is, he is possibly the reason that the movie got made because every time I'm seeing him, every time he's texting me, he's like, so what's the update on the script? You know, what is this movie going in production? And, uh, and he was so passionate about, um, working on it and doing the stunt work for it that uh, I could almost just turn over the action sequences over to him mm -hmm. and, and the director because um, the amount of passion and the amount of ideas that they were coming up with. Um, I, I can't really take credit for, for the amount of work that, that, that they did to, to put it on screen and put the quality of the stunt work on screen. Um, and, you know, on the producer side, it's more of like, okay, so what do you need? Do you have the safety equipment to, to do it? You know, do we, do we need, uh, you know, how do we make the time so that the actors can train together? You know, how do we, how do we bring our lead actor up with our, our stunt coordinator so they can go through these fights, you know? And so it, and also we had a, another martial artist too, Jeffrey, who was also working on the film is like, okay, so how do we get Jeffrey in here to help, you know, take it a day to train our actors. So uh, from the production side, it's, you know, let's, uh, you know, how, how can I help the, st the stunt quarter stunt coordinator do the best he, ch he can and kind of, you know, get out of the way of his creative process, but give him the tools that he needs to succeed. Um, and I'd like to say that I was, really involved with the the details of making the action sequences as good as they are but you know i found that it's more of just finding the right people and then doing whatever you can to help them accomplish what they're good at yeah no that's that's so true of the producer role it kind of goes back to they're not always the most talented person on set they just know how to bring on the most talented people So then when it came to, especially like on set then with some of the locations, what type of like 
either safety precautions or issues did you maybe deal with uh, to make sure that everybody was going to stay safe doing those stunt sequences? Yes. So one of the things that we prioritized was, uh, you know, how can we, we have this image of our mind as filmmakers that when we see something awesome, whether it's a location or a prop or something, it's, oh, what's the coolest thing we can do with that, that, that prop or this location, you know, can we, can we dangle somebody over a railing or something like that? And, and we certainly had the locations where we really could do some, some wild stuff, but at the same time, we're, you know, we're a very small, very small production. We can't afford to, to, you know, have people get injured. So it was like, you know what, we're going to have to back off on, you know, going, you know, being near a railing or something like that. Um, one of our locations where the final confrontation goes down, uh, there are some serious heights. Um, and there are some, there were some OSHA safe railings, but at the same time it was like, okay, we're not going to film anywhere near that drop off. You know, mm -hmm. there was a, we filmed in a warehouse that was, had lots of, um, had a lot of stuff in it and some stuff was, was very sharp and pointy and it was, uh, you know, our first AD was, you know, try to make sure that, okay, we're, we're going to not, you know, film anything near dangerous parts of this warehouse, of this location. And so, um, we might've been able to get some, you know, more epic moments on there, but there's a risk reward aspect to, you know, anything that, uh, we do. And, you know, we just didn't want to do things too, uh, you know, too risky. Right. And uh, in addition to, right, we're, we're getting some, you know, crash pads out for falling and things like that. So nobody gets injured, you know, doing a stunt fall. And it's just, you know, knowing, knowing when to, uh, just say, you know what, this would look really cool, but for safety reasons, we're, we're not professional stunt people. We're not professional safety people. So let's not take some of the risks that, uh, might be, might look good, but might injure somebody in the process. Yeah, no, that's that's well said. Uh, so you mentioned like the warehouse you filmed in, uh, and there were a number of, I thought, very impressive locations in the film. I think the one that really stood out to me is the couple of shots you had on the train uh, of the main character. So what was that process like of finding and then securing those different locations. Yes. So, uh, Jonic, our director, uh, he has a very firm policy of let's, let's do things. Let's shoot for the best quality that we can. Um, and, and he does crazy things in order to, you know, just wild things in order to meet that goal. Um, and so one of our, our Saturdays after we had done, you know, several days of shooting, he, you know, we had planned to just take a day and we were just, we we're going to go to Chicago with our, our DP, um, you know, our, our director of photography, our, you know, me, the producer, our lead actor and the director and a tour guide. And we're just going to go to Chicago and we're going to try to fill in some of these gaps in the movie with shots from one of the largest cities in the world. Mm -hmm. And so what we try to do with the train is um, Chicago has rules about, you know, filming on, on trains or in different areas. And, and one of the, the things is if you don't have 
sticks on the ground in a train, you can film. Okay. Um, so, right, it's all that's handheld on the train. And we tried to, you know, shepherd off an area where there was no bystanders, you know, th- throw our actor up and try to, you know, film going around the city uh, on the on the elevated train. You know, the actor just kind of hanging on um, and pick some shots that didn't look especially like Chicago. So no one goes, hey, that's not Lakeland City. That's Chicago. <laughs> um, so that's that's how we kind of approached um you know, f- filming that where it was done in, in a legal way, mm-hmm. but also, you know, it was done in a uh, a professional way too, where it looks like you, the movie takes place in a city as as much as we could, right. considering we filmed in a you know small town in Illinois. Yeah, no, it it I think it paid off. So that's that's cool. I never really looked into f- filming on a train or anything like that before. Yeah, and I think that's one thing when when you're producing a project is um, what steps can we take to make this film look as good as possible? And, you know, sometimes time is a factor, but, you know, is 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 it can you go the extra mile for even if it's a, a couple of shots? Can you can you go to a location, get a few things that really are money shots? They really tie your whole production together if if you get it that really up the production quality of your film um but you know maybe take a little bit extra work maybe you have to drive you know a few hours to do um and, and in that sort of thing like i said we didn't it wasn't an entire company move it was five people just trying to get a couple of uh of money shots to tie things together um another thing that we were looking at in the film is there's this heist sequence um that was initially going to take place um, where they, they rob an armored car. Okay. Um, and we were having issues securing an armored car. And so uh, very shortly before we were supposed to film the sequence, um, we were like, okay, so what, what do we do? And we kind of had a brainstorming session and there was this, um, old post office ballroom building that we were aware of that people rent for weddings and things now. And, we 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 decided okay let's rent it and all we're going to use is a hallway and so we we just filmed the hallway it kind of looks like it might be in a big bank in the city um and you can't tell that it's completely empty it's not a bank at all and it it, it worked out you know pretty well but we you know took an evening to shoot that even though it, it the whole sequence is under 30 seconds in the movie yeah uh, and then to, to tie that all together, you know, we drove an extra about hour and a half south of that location to get a shot of a bank vault um, to to tie that location even more together in the film. Um, and so it, it's just um, obviously those things can be very time consuming and very resource consuming. Mm-hmm. But if you're willing to do them, they can really increase the quality of your film uh, in many ways. Or, or that's what I found. Um, and so one of the things that Jonik really pushed for was, okay, how, you know, how can we make this feel like a complete film rather than just a short film where it was filmed in one or two locations that anybody could have access to. Instead, we filmed at many different locations um, that really run the gambit. And uh, yeah, definitely was um, 
it proved challenging to run around and get all those spots, but I think in the end really paid off because of just how the movie fits together with going to so many places and seeing so many things of the city. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. You mentioned kind of how Jonic was, you know, pushing, you know, to 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 go kind of. I guess you you can almost say the extra mile to make the the movie feel the scale you wanted. Uh, do you have any thoughts on as a producer, like when when is it okay to let the director keep pushing for what he wants, and then where you kind of have to like put your foot down and say this aspect, you know, it's just not doable for you know, whatever reason uh, there may be. Yes. Yeah. That's an excellent question. Um, and I think um, the nice thing about Jonic is he's, he's, he's also a, uh, a guy who thinks about solutions and a guy who um, is thinking about feasibility. Um, and, and so, right. If, if someone's going to get, you know, come up with a good idea to me, the producer um, that we can do, I, I, I want to try it. I, I want to see if we can do it in our time frame, um, and uh, some of the things we were able to stretch some of our shooting days on a week, kind of unexpectedly, and fit some stuff in that we didn't think we were going to. So, you know, once we were, you know, just, just, you know, is there anything we can do to maximize our time? But there are some things that our producer definitely, or our director, excuse me, definitely wanted to do on set that you know we. You know, you have to have a conversation with the first AD and say, look, we just don't have the time to do it. And some things were cut because, and some, you know, you wanted to do, you know, 60 shots in this location. And sorry, we can only do 40 shots. Mm -hmm. And I know it would look way more cinematic if you could do this, but look, we, we, we have a crew to feed. We have a crew that needs to sleep and we just have to, have to back it off. And um, so I, I think the, the the one answer is, you know, if you can do it, try it. Uh, there's no downside to trying to help make the best movie that you can do. Uh, and I think sometimes I think we, we, we sell ourselves short and we we think that, oh, that's too hard or that's going to take so much time and energy and work that we just kind of automatically write it off. But I think, you know, working with Jonic, he taught me of, you know, how can we have an attitude of abundance rather than scarcity? And how can we try to do everything that we can? Um, obviously, one constraint is budget, where we can just say, hey, no, we, we can't do that, not in the budget. And that, that's the end of it. Um, but at the same time, right, if you're, you know, if you're on a budget, you sometimes can, you know, there can be creative solutions within a budget to, mm-hmm. to meet things. Um, and... Uh, and that's kind of where, you know, as a producer, you're trying to balance all those things, you know, your time, your budget and the quality of the film and making sure that you can get the most bang for your buck in all three areas. All right. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the producer podcast. Join us next time as we continue our conversation about the creation of Night Guard, as well as talking about balancing work and family in the narrative film space. Until then, make sure to subscribe to the producer podcast, and thanks for listening.